the first topic we should talk about is probably what is going on right now here in April 2020, and that's COVID-19 and how it's affected our society as we know it. So let's talk about it when we come back. Welcome back, guys. Unless you've been living under a rock for the last month and a half, then you would know that COVID-19 has made the headlines and it is just growing every day. Uh, right now, stats are showing almost a million confirmed cases in the United States, over two and a half million in the world. Uh, back in the United States, we have pushing 50,000 deaths. The question is, what is your take on it? There are a lot of illnesses. There are a lot of uh, things uh, that people have endured in the nation, in the world that are way more deadly. But I think what makes this uh, epidemic, this pandemic, uh, so much more of a uh, headliner is because we don't know how to stop it. And it's only going to get worse and it's affecting everyone, despite what you're seeing in the media, more importantly, and, and, and more the older generations, but it's also affecting everyone any way you look at it. Um, what do you think, Jordan? What are your colleagues saying about COVID? Are, are you guys afraid of it? Are you afraid to go be social? Are you irritated because you can't do stuff? Um, yeah, I feel like it also has, like, um, the cutoff or the uh, curfew also is cuts off at, like, what, maybe six when we have to be, all be home. So that's what it, a, a different change now. And also it doesn't it changes what's happening in the actual work world, but it's happening to the kids' world too for school because school has been shut down for how long? Two months? For a while, for a few weeks, yeah. Yeah, so that's affecting almost everybody now. And But they said they were going to be coming back to school the last two weeks, I think. So. Yeah, but, I mean, come on. You're 17, and I wish I no, – I'm not going to say I wish – if something were to happen when I was in high school and they said you don't have to go to school for the rest of the year, I would have been ecstatic. You gotta, you can't sit here and be like, oh man, I don't have to go to school. This is so terrible. Is that how it is? Or maybe that's how it started. Has it changed yeah, since then? Yeah, it's definitely changed. At first, I was like, hooray. Now I'm just bored out of my mind. Yeah. Because I ain't got nothing to do, basically. Yeah. Everything's closed. So how do you think you'll look back over this? So, you know, 10 years from now, how will you look back over your, because you're, a junior this year, so you got one more year left in, in high school. How do you think you'll look over it? How do you think people who are seniors now will look back over it and not being able to, to go through the formal process of I, mean, I think it process? sucks. Hopefully next time maybe this happens, a pandemic happens, maybe we'll have already something so not as much people have died so we're more prepared. We hear the saying that life will never be the same or it'll never, you know, things will never exist as, as they have I think that's a good thing in in so many respects what this thing is brought to light is that we take the smallest things for granted number one number two we're probably not as clean as we think we are because the spread is just basic um, can be prevented from basic hygiene and so uh, it's really awakened um, my sense of, of uh, hygiene and interacting with people. One thing I can't do is not hang around people and not talk to people. I don't go out in public as much as I did before, but being around family and really close friends um, is just something. It's a risk that I take on, but, um, you know, uh, I, I keep my six feet 
six foot uh, distance. Uh, but I would go crazy if I had to sit in the house for over a month and not engage with somebody. One positive thing is I've always wanted to see Game of Thrones, but I am not patient enough to sit still to figure out the plot. And so I always was checking out episodes out of order. So this is giving me a chance to start in season one and on episode one. And I'm now on season two. And let me tell you, um, all the rave reviews that uh, existed when this show came out years ago are all true. It's a great show. Uh, I can't remember characters' names, but I'm falling in love with different characters or hating other characters. And I think it's great cinematography. Let's talk about what you think about politics. Should we talk about politics? I don't want to talk about politics, but people want to talk about politics. But at least the listeners can know how much we don't know about politics. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, and welcome back. So let me tell you how much I don't know about politics. Pretty much everything. I am not that guy. Uh, I am totally enamored in my life to care about what politicians are lying about. Well, no, that gives me an opinion, and I don't really have one. Here's what I do know. I think people should be treated fairly. I think everybody should pay their fair taxes. I think that the government should be designed to help its citizens become more successful and happier and it shouldn't restrain them from their goals and dreams. So, I don't know, does that make me a Democrat or Republican? I have no idea. Are you, uh, you claim a party, Jordan? No. You, could you see yourself running for politics one day? No. I think you would make a great mayor. <laughs> I think you could because you get the people, and the people get you. Somebody told me I should run for um, city government a few years ago. And I actually thought about it for a hot second. And then I realized. That you can't be a governor? No, city politics. Governor is a state. I do know that much. Mayor is in charge of the city. And then you have council members that are kind of like, they so represent be, different districts. In this. What's that? You would be a council member. So, yeah, I would. That's basically, typically, if you're going to run for government, that's kind of where you start, either councilman or commissioner with the county. And then um, typically with some experience or some strings get pulled, you can run for mayor, which is the executive of, of city government. Now, as you go higher, then you can start talking about city, I mean state senate and um, state governor, uh, which they, they do things on the state level. But, you know, one thing about it is the city that I live in, Fayetteville, I've been a resident of Fayetteville, North Carolina for about 15 years. So I'm not originally from Greenville, but I've been here. 15 of the last 36 years of my life so I almost feel like I'm from here now and I don't think I don't feel confident that I have enough knowledge about the city uh, to actually uh, be a resource to people in the city the second thing is I think it would be a selfish move because I have so many activities activities going on uh, and I want to I'm the type of person I like to devote myself to whatever I try to do but maybe one day um, well that's what you do in <laughs> if they're really old, they don't get how people operate today. I mean, you just take, for I example. Know, I feel like that's what actually people go wrong. Like, not go wrong, but like, kind of like all our presidents. Mm -hmm. They don't really, like, understand what's actually going on, I feel like. 
Right. That's what I'm saying. So like it, if, if, I feel like if you had a younger president who was in tune on what was coming up, like maybe he would have made like more against the, the p- pandemic during that maybe. Well, what would make him different than what Trump is doing? I mean, they're not scientists. I know, but they have scientists. Okay. They have all this stuff that they've been making that's been built up. So do you think that's why Obama was really popular? Was he popular because he was the first black president or because he was a young president? A little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He got excited when he was the first black president. Yeah, I don't think anybody saw him as cool, especially like from your generation. But they saw him. They saw him cool in like Uncle Obama kind of way. They, it wasn't like I like to hang out with him kind of cool. Well, who wants to hang out with a president though? True, but I'm, I'm saying he's like Bernie Sanders or something. Who you would want to hang out with Bernie Sanders? Yeah, I think so. Why? He just he comes off as an angry man to me. He does, but he's funny and he's really smart. I do. I would like to see him speak. I would, I would spend money to to, to see him speak and just have a conversation with him because I think he's really smart. But he just seems like an angry old man to me, which but would probably make him a I good feel president. Like every, every, old, like every president's an angry old man. You think so? I think so. Uh, yeah. You gotta have some guts. I mean, I wouldn't want to be president. Imagine being president. Right. Yeah. I think you do have to be confident. Yeah, you you could we could call it angry, but you do have to be confident. You have to be decisive to be in any leadership position, but especially in the um, hi, most the highest executive job in the nation. You feel like um, that's the, um, what's that, one of like the the most biggest jobs you can get. The most biggest. Yeah, not, not <laughs> like the, the, Do I think it's the most job. prestigious job you yeah. can get? Um. To some degree, for title, yes. But I would, if I had my choice, I don't think I would want to. I don't think I would want to be president because being president, first of all, is not a job; it is a duty. So it's almost like saying, being in the army, right? Is that the best job you can get? Being in the army, you get paid to do it, you get compensated for it, but it's actually a duty; it's voluntary. So, no, I would actually pick being like an executive of a private company, a CEO of like a. Fortune 500 company that that had a mission and an agenda that I believed in because being able to grow that into something bigger I think would be good and, and uh, I'm all about um, you know living in a a world where growing business and being successful is a good thing you know some nations don't believe in that uh, you know some people are more socialist and there's a place for that I think there's a, a place for both where it could be successful in any nation. But, yes, I think it is the highest position, the highest, from a servitude standpoint, yes, it's the highest thing you could do. But presidents don't get paid that much. So, by comparison. How much do you think they get paid? They get paid like 400 something thousand dollars a year. Let's find out how much presidents, government officials get paid when we come back. And we're back. And before we went to the break, we were talking about being the president of the United States and whether it's worth having that pressure. The president makes $400,000 a year. That's a lot of money by comparison to a general job. 
Yeah, I think it's post being president because here's the thing. For Obama, $400,000 a year is probably a lot of money considering he was a congressman or sen- he was a senator. Before he became president, he was a civil servant. But for Donald Trump, who is a billionaire, um, that's not a lot of money. That's a drop in the bucket. Here's why I think what the benefit is to Donald Trump, a billionaire, the access to power. And for Obama now post-presidential, post-being in that post uh, that uh, position, now he is making money hand over fist, I'm sure, by basically being a celebrity. That's what I think being in government has entitled people or enabled them to do. And it's not a bad thing. It's, it's a part of free enterprise, right? So if you're president and people like you, you'll be able to you build your own image. Right. When you come out of office, people will pay you whatever you ask for to come speak at engagements, to endorse certain things. Um, and you're free to do it because you are a private citizen again. So I think that's definitely um, a, a good thing from the financial standpoint. But here's what I think we're missing today in politics, that genuine care and interest in seeing other people win, seeing everybody have a that fair opportunity to do things that they otherwise couldn't have done on their own. I mean, I look back over my life, being a business owner myself, um, 20 years ago, you couldn't tell me that I would be able to start a business and be successful at it and grow from nothing to, to where I am today. I think part of the reason why I've been able to do that is because we live in a country that allows free enterprise and allows people to take risk. Um, and when they do well, they get the benefits of doing well. So I do think that that should be protected in our country. Guys, I want to talk to you about an app that I recently started um, playing with. It's called Toro, if you haven't heard of it. Uh, The best way I can explain it to you without using a whole segment is Toro is like Airbnb for uh, cars. And um, so if you own automobiles, you can actually share your automobiles, lease them out, rent them out on a short-term basis, um, and, and make money off of those vehicles. And this is phenomenal for someone like me who is a car fanatic. I have way more cars than what I need, way more vehicles than what I need. And so I thought I'll try it out to try to offset my expenses of owning these vehicles. And there's some good and some bad. But the best part about it is the fact that I am getting, my goal is always to get as close to zero as possible as far as ownership cost of the vehicle. And uh, you go on the app, it's Toro, T-U-R-O. You go on the app, you register, you can look at vehicles that are near you, what the daily rates are for them, and um, you can rent that vehicle uh, from the owner directly. And uh, when we went to Spain, in fact, instead of leaving my vehicle parked in the long-term parking at the airport at a crazy amount of money per day, I put it on the app, I reassigned it to the area, and it rented about four of the six days we were gone. So instead of spending money to park it, I made money uh, loaning it out. So the question is, okay, what about the liability? Toro actually adds insurance to the vehicle uh, and they cover the vehicle and there's different uh, policies that they have. Based off which policy you choose, you get a certain percentage. So you can get 65% of the profit um, if you want the premium insurance up to 85%, I believe it is 80 or 85%. If you just want the basic insurance with a higher, uh, premium. Uh, but at any rate, I think it's great. 
we went to Miami, uh, myself and my dad and, and uh, my little brother and a friend, and we rented a Mercedes G-Wagon AMG. I've always loved that vehicle, but I never think I will be the owner of one because they're just too freaking expensive. But it was fun enough, and I got my fix by just renting it on this app. So would you rent your vehicle um, on an app like Toro? And if not, why not? Interested in getting your feedback and comments on that. Uh, Jordan, you think you would you use an app like Toro to rent vehicles? Would you put your vehicle on it? Why not? See, that's the thing. I am not emotionally attached to vehicles. I used to be when I was younger, but probably after 30, I was just like, I like a nice vehicle, but I'm not going to get so attached to it that it becomes my world. But I feel like I feel like all my vehicles are probably, I'm going to have like, some, I'm going to do some stuff to them. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to have like, like certain things on them that I don't want people to touch. Well, yeah, that's the vehicle you don't rent out, though. So, like, my 63 Chevy, when when I start riding in it, that's not going to be on Toro. That's not. my vehicle. You yeah. want to let me drive it, though? Probably not. Probably what? not. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's not, it's, a, it's not like a classic restored vehicle. It's just that I don't want to share it with anyone. That's kind of where I am with that. When we come back, we're going to talk about some real estate because, you know, that's the basis of the show. That's kind of what I know, at least from a local standpoint. Um, but stay tuned. Uh, we got some, some interesting things that we want to talk about that may help you decide whether you should buy right now, especially with everything going on in the world. Stay tuned. So a lot of people are freaking out with COVID-19 going on. I, you know, being in real estate, they are saying, well, I'll just wait until things get better. And, you know, here, here's the deal. I'm just going to say it up front. You got to have somewhere to live. Real estate prices aren't getting any lower and interest rates aren't getting any lower either. So you might as well buy when you can. Real estate, investing in real estate, owning real estate, in my opinion, IMO, is the best thing that you can ever do because it can establish wealth and give you access to other forms of wealth, give you other forms of um, knowledge that you wouldn't otherwise have. My whole story started with buying my first house and here we are 15 plus years later um, and I own several investment properties, a real estate company, uh, a property management company, and it all started from buying that first piece of real estate. So my advice to you in 2020 is to reevaluate maybe what you're buying. Real estate is getting really expensive. People are getting qualified for astronomical amounts. One of our clients the other day, he's buying his first time house. He pre got pre-qualified for like $250,000. Now this is a kid by all respects, early 20s, and he's married, no kids. He wanted to go look at $250,000 houses, which in our area is 2,000 plus square feet, three plus bedrooms, two plus baths, you know, the the pick, white picket fence and all that good stuff. My advice to him was don't spend what you qualify for, spend what you can afford, but more importantly, spend what somebody's willing to rent down the road that has some equity. And that's my advice to you if you're considering buying. Maybe buy under what you need. 
So if you qualify for $250,000, maybe you should be looking at what can I get for $150,000 and what will it rent for? Will it cash flow? And allow that property to pay for your next property. Sort of like if you've ever watched the show Property Ladder, you go from a cheaper property to a more expensive property and so on and so forth. The equity in the property before that can make or break you. So if you buy your dream home as your first home, you could be what we call house poor. Uh, however, if you buy a property in that example, that's $150,000 that's worth maybe $190,000, put a little sweat equity into it. You can go to the bank, borrow some cash, use that cash as a down payment on the next property, um, and continue to do that over and over again until you've accumulated several pieces of real estate that can augment, if not, um, basically cover your retirement. So just think about that, but definitely don't get out of the game because of what's going on in the world. There'll always be a reason um, that the haters will say not to buy, but you just need to shake them off, brush them off, and go and do your thing. Anyways, I hope this was a first, uh, good first um, inaugural show. So stay tuned and let us know. Here's what I want to know. What should we name the show? Uh, what do you want us to talk about? What questions do you have specifically in real estate? I think we'll have a segment about real estate in each episode. And um, what are your thoughts about the show and some of the segments we did cover? So anyways, have a good uh, week or day or whenever until we come back next time. And we will talk to you or, yeah, we'll talk to you soon.